This episode of The Working Experience is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their child's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into your Still Believe video to amaze your children. You can tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the Tooth Fairy and Santa and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is free to download and also has in-app purchases. So for $3, you can catch the Tooth Fairy in your home. The Still Believe app is available for the iPhone on the App Store and Android on Google Play. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. And that's S-T-I-L-L-B-E-L-I-E-V-E dot C-O. The Still Believe app was created by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John, J-O-H-N, at OneCircleMedia.com or DM me on Instagram at John Brancaccio, and that's J-O-H-N-B-R-A-N-C-A-C-C-I-O. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. Hey everyone, this is Maddie Kay with The Working Experience Podcast. Today I sat down with Rui Lopes. He is a cinematographer and editor with Anawan Street Productions. Rui has started his own business with these guys and has a lot of very interesting things to talk about in regards to actually getting into the business. So if you want to learn what it takes to be a filmmaker, enjoy. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. You stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was no. living his Sexual toenails at his desk. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay. Uh, it is January 29th and we're coming to you with another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. I'm here without John, uh, the usual guy who's here, which is good because he usually interrupts, talks over me. Uh, and we are in Brockton, Massachusetts, and I'm sitting with Rui Lopes, who is one of the owners of Anawan Street Productions, which is a production company in Brockton. 
I just want to say thank you for having me here today, and I'm very excited about this. Very excited, folks. He's very excited. So <laughs> you remember that. People are excited to be on this podcast, despite those negative reviews that we've gotten. I forget the guy's name, but he, um, one woman called us sloppy and amateurish. Ooh. Yeah. She Ooh, came that's... right out with that one. And another guy said he was really bored. We sounded like two college professors who didn't really know what we were talking about. Now, which to me is a bit contradictory because college professors, I'll take that. <laughs> and do I not know what I'm talking about? No, not really. So fairly accurate, I would say. You know, it's, a very, uh, it's a very well-balanced um, listening audience you got there. Yeah, yeah. We've gotten, uh, f- what, five reviews. Uh, one of them was positive, but I think it was a relative. <laughs> hey, you know, this can still be objective. I think what I'll do is I'll just make a few accounts and uh, go under those accounts and give you a, give you a little helping hand. There. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, um, full disclosure, uh, Rui and I, uh, I met these guys almost a year ago, last February. Mm-hmm. And we decided to do a short film together. And uh, we just finished that. We just had our big screening last Saturday. Yes, we did. It was uh, it was very uh, very exciting. I'm going to keep using that word throughout the uh, the podcast today. Yeah, but well, how can you help? Me? It was <laughs> no, it was it was a very awesome experience. Just having everybody there to be able to watch this uh, project that took us about 12 months to put together was uh, was very humbling to to watch. Well, we finished under a year. Oh, we did. Oh, yes, yeah. February. Oh, to, yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, yes. I don't want to take away from that. Yeah, That's very true. Yeah. I mean, it's not a race, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so we were just going to talk. Well, first of all, another thing, I probably mispronounced your name again. Uh, so yeah, this has been a it's been an ongoing thing between me and uh, and Maddie Kerr. Uh, yeah. You know, as I call him sometimes, Matthew. Uh, my it's a, so I have a Portuguese name, K Verdon, and we you know most of our names are come you know, they're Portuguese based, and uh, I think I get a kick out of just hearing uh, hearing Americans say my name, and in particular Maddie, and the way he says it. Uh, Rui. Mo- yes, it's uh, Rui. And Rui. if you want to, if if you want to be exotic, you can roll your R and say uh, Rui. Rui. <laughs> that wasn't right again. Was it? <laughs> close, close. We right we close. call this a microaggression. <laughs> uh, probably, you know, I wouldn't say I'm racist, <laughs> ignorant. I guess is just what it is. Which, I mean, I figured yeah. if, if, if I'm a teacher and the class is primarily based of, uh, you know, Spanish kids, I'd probably have the same issue. So yeah. I, can't, I can't blame you for that. Yeah. No. All right. Well, so <laughs> we, we've managed to maintain our professional relationship yes. despite my continued... This would be, a, it would be, a, it would be a version of the, uh, what's the, the, uh, the Key and Peele episode. Uh, what is it? Balaki? A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron, yeah, yes. <laughs> this is an episode. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so, we were just going to talk um, about how you guys all got together, how Anawan uh, started, and uh, projects you've worked on, and then, you know, what your vision might be for the next year, five years, ten years. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so we, so before, prior to Anawan, I was part of uh, a different production company with 
a few childhood friends and a, and a couple of cousins, actually. The company name was 1975 Productions, and the name came from the fact that everybody within the company, um, you know, we're all Cape Verdeans, and our independence here was 1975. So, you know, when it came time to name the company, you know, we weren't trying to be creative, so we just kind of went with that name. Uh, we started in 2012, so January 2012, we got together uh, to put this company together. You know, I've been... Since 2009, I've been, you know, I've had this this dream uh, and this vision to, to be a filmmaker uh, and be able to make films for a living. So, you know, fast forward three years, four, three years later, we decided to put this company together. In 2013, we, the summer of 2013, we shot our first uh, feature film. Unfortunately, first and only feature film because, you know, eventually the company was, uh, was dis dismantled. But we shot the film, it was called uh, Falling Dominoes. It was my first, it was my directorial debut in regards to a feature film. And it was a film that I actually uh, wrote. We, sh we shot this in 2013, in the summer of 2013. And fast forward two years later, in the summer of 2015, we premiered the film uh, here in Brockton, Massachusetts, where uh, the company uh, was based out of. And that day, uh, so the city actually, which was pretty cool, the city donated the building uh, for us to use for the premiere. Um, and it's a building that usually is not available for the public. They use it for for city meetings and, and uh, governor's balls and things of that nature. So they gave it to us just off the strength of the fact that, you know, we're Brockton filmmakers. And it was, it was a big deal at the time for us, for, for them to be able to back us up with that. Uh, that night, uh, we had 320 people showed up for for that event which was pretty amazing we literally only had about four weeks to be able to promote this uh mm -hmm. this project we uh may 12th of 2015 we announced on facebook that we were going to do the premiere and literally 30 days later on june 12th we premiered the film and we had 300 people that came out a lot 320 a lot of them were family members and people that supported us over the years um, and a little fun fact about the, the building and that night specifically, the building, it's an old building and they don't have any, uh, air conditioner within that building. And actually they have the building closed off in the summer, so they don't really hold events in there, particularly because it gets hot in there. And that night, uh, just happened to have been a 90 degree night. Mm. So when everybody filed into this old building, we had 320 people in there. The building was just pretty much scorching hot. Uh, and people were there fanning themselves, they're sweating. Uh, and I guess the good news is that all those people, they stay there for the duration of the film. And it's a feature film. It's an hour and 30 minutes, and they stay there for the whole time. So I'm not sure if it's because they love the film or they were just trying to show support. <laughs> but, you know, one way or another, they stay there for the whole time. Um, and, yeah, was, it was a successful film. But then uh, at the end of 2015... Um, the group, let's just say, uh, you know, as it happens in art, you have a bunch of artists together. Uh, we had um, just different ideas or we had different career paths that some of us were kind of embarking on. Uh, and, you know, I, I had my vision and things that I wanted to do. And I knew that being a filmmaker is what I wanted to do. So, you know, I spoke to the group and I told them that I wanted to kind of, you know, um, to, to leave and, and go ahead and pursue, uh, pursue something a little bit uh, different. And, uh, well, pursue, uh, sorry, I wanted to leave the group and be able to, to, to have uh, a production team with, with people that, are, that have the same vision and other filmmakers that have the same goals as, as myself. And this is where uh, the idea of Anawan kind of started to, to come to fruition. So in the summer of 2015, while we were still working on 
the last few 1975 projects is when uh, Dwayne, which was one of uh, my partners, uh, my, one of my co-founders, the co- uh, signing founders of, 19, of Anawan Street Productions, he came along that summer and we started working on, on a few projects. Uh, and around that same time, uh, Eddie Lazio, or Eddie, who is uh, another one of the founding members of Anawan, he kind of came around at that time, and uh, Eddie was actually a person that I had gone to, to high school with. Mm-hmm. We went to high school together. We didn't really talk much in high school, but we knew of each other. Uh, and the funny thing is, we actually lived across, we lived right next to each other for about two years, uh, maybe three years prior to Anawa, we lived uh, across the street from each other. Um, and the fourth founding member of Anawan is uh, Zaire Silva. And Zaire was actually uh, one of the first actors that I had got to, to work with when I first started doing um, short films with 1975 Productions. So when, when the idea came for me to leave uh, 1975 and, and start something new, those were the guys that, that I wanted to start it with because you know they were close friends. Those are people that I had start, that I had done some work with in the past and people that I knew. And I knew their work ethic, but mainly, which is the one thing that I kind of hold over everything else is, I knew, uh, or at least uh, you know, at the time, I knew what their what their goals were and what they wanted to do. And being a filmmaker and being within this industry was one thing that we all shared in common. We had that same vision. So um, yeah, the December of two thousand and fifteen, we we got together, we sat down together, and we just started talking, started coming up with uh, ideas of you know what we would want to do with this with this new uh, production company. Uh, and ironically, the the, sh- the place that I was living at at the time, uh, it's uh, Anawan Street, and that's where we were doing a lot of the editing, and that's where we were doing a lot of our meetings. So when we sat together to come up with uh, with this company, and we, we had a whole list of different names. We probably had about 20 different names, 30 different names that we came up with. Some of them were good, some of them were just straight up, just, just silly names that we just throw out there just to be funny. Uh, one of them, I think, was uh, Four Guys in a Camera, like some, <laughs> something crazy like that. Uh, but then uh, the, the, this little girl who actually lived at the house, uh, she's uh, my mentor's uh, daughter. We're sitting over there, we're coming up with names, and then she came in the room, and then she's asking us, you know, what we're doing. And we told her that we're coming up with these names. And then she looks at us, and I think at the time she was, she was seven years old. She looked at us, and she says, why not Anawan? And then we kind of, I think we, di- we dismissed it at first, and she, <laughs> she walked upstairs. But then within that same conversation, maybe 10 minutes later, I think somebody else brought it up. And then we kind of joked about it a few times. But it, you know, after saying it so many times, it kind of stuck, and you know that's that's pretty much where the name uh, itself came from. And then in March of two thousand sixteen, we uh, we legalized the company and became an LLC. So uh, so it's you, Dwayne, Denny, uh, Eddie. What's Eddie's last name? Uh, Eddie Lazio Manuel. Manuel, right? And uh, these names are gonna kill you. I know. <laughs> and uh, Zaire. Yes, Zaire. So yeah. So. Um, when you guys decided to, you were going to go with this, you went to a bank or you, how did you like get the money together to get the equipment? And- so when we first got together, um, we, we had to, to start the LLC, it's, it's, or any business, it's, uh, it's, or any LLC, it's $500. You'd have to, you'd have to apply it through, through the state. And there's a, uh, actually it's 520. There's a little, uh, process fee of $20 at the add in there. Um, and when we first started with the company, we, 
we put in our money to be able to get the five hundred dollars to 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 start the LLC and become official. In regards to the equipment, we had a few of our own equipment um, and things that we had from uh, nineteen seventy five production. So when when I left the company. Um, there were a few equipments that I kind of brought along with us. Uh, and then uh, some of the money that we already had, we kind of split amongst the group that way. You know, we had a, a fair uh, agreement amongst each other. And you know, so since they knew that I was trying to continue on as a filmmaker, uh, the agreement was that I would keep some of the equipment and then they can keep the money that we already had uh, in the account. Um, so we use we used the equipment we already had to, to shoot some of the initial uh, music videos. A lot of what we did in the beginning were music videos because, you know, that was readily available and that was... We didn't really have people that would you know, that would be willing to, to come behind us and be able to put money into what we're doing uh, right in the beginning outside of the artists, the local artists that we, we have. We got to build a resume. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. You have yeah. to build that. People have to be able to trust you before they want to put uh, money behind you, which is something that we're gonna, you and I are going to have to talk about in regards to how you, and this will be later on, how you have the faith in us to be able to put in the money behind this film mm. uh, You know, uh, when you first came to us. But yeah, so in March, we, we started the company, we paid the 500. And then in August of, of the same year, we went to SEED, which is, it's part of the uh, SBA, which is a small business association. SEED stands for Southeastern Economic Development, I think. Mm-hmm. They're located in Taunton. So we went to them to get a, a business loan for us to be mm-hmm. able to actually purchase um, our own equipment, uh, or at least to be able to upgrade what we already had. Uh, and the loan, so at the time, obviously it was a new business. Uh, we didn't have any capital. We didn't have any, um, um, any, uh, properties that we owned. So, you know, they gave us, it was a small loan. It was $10,000, um, that, that we started out with. And with that loan, we purchased, uh, a newer camera. Uh, and then we purchased some lights. We purchased, cause at the time we only had one computer to edit. So we went and we purchased another computer for Ed Elazio, who, uh, who was the other editor within the company. Uh, we purchased a computer for him to be able to do uh, the graphics design and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, that's that's primarily how we, we first initiated the, the company and we got the money to be able to produce some of this stuff. So the four of you uh, decided at some point when you had some music videos behind you to go down to Seed and, and say like, like, what did you have to present to Seed if you don't have collateral and things like that? Like, what do you have to say like? You have to show them what you've done, or yes. So we, uh, so that there actually was one. So we actually did one commercial prior to Seed, which was our first. Uh, I guess our first uh, commercial client. That was the the Boys and Girls Club. So in I think April. So within a month of us starting the company, uh, a month and a half or two months, um, this lady that was with the uh, Brockton. The Brockton chapter of the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, I think her name is Kristen McKay. She's not. She's no longer there. She through a friend of mine got in contact with me um, through Facebook, and she had told us that she had uh, they had this fundraising uh, video that they wanted to put together for a golf tournament. Uh, you know, we went there. We sat down with her, um, and since we were new and we didn't have uh, we didn't have a portfolio for her to look at we couldn't really obviously charge her much of anything uh, outside of just charging her um, the uh, the the money to be able to rent the equipment that we needed so the camera some of the lenses and, and things of that matter mm-hmm. so we, 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 we did that we went we went to rule Boston which is you know the same place that I've been renting from for the past possibly 10 uh, 11 uh, sorry nine years now so we went there rented the equipment we shot the commercial and uh, having that commercial and then having some of the music videos that we had already done, 
Uh, and I'm forgetting some things here. We actually had shot, one of the first things we shot as a company when we first came out was a, a web series. The web series, it's a, I guess you'd consider it a documentary web series. It was a web series consisting of 10 episodes and each episode were three minutes long. And the, the basis of the episodes was just us kind of following uh, 10 different people that we picked out from the community that are doing things within the community. So I think we had a poet, we had a, a painter, we had a couple of mentors. We had, uh, I think, um, a, a CrossFit trainer and a few other people. And we just followed them around. So we went to their places of business uh, or wh whatever it is that they do. We went there, we followed them around, we did interviews. And then we'd put together these uh, these little profile videos pretty much. And then we had the series that we put out online. Um, so using that and using the Boys and Girls Club videos and some of the music videos we had already done and using uh, references. So a lot of references from the Boys and Girls Club CEO uh, or the Boys and Girls Club of Brockton CEO and a few other people, we used that and... We had to put, so the other thing too that you'll need when you're first getting a loan is a business plan. So any, any place will, will require that. So they need to be able to see what your vision is and how, one, obviously how you're able to pay back the money for them. And then how you as a business can grow and how we can be able to hire employees and things of that nature. So they need to be able to see all of these things. And then you have to be able to list your competitors, your closest competitors, and how you differentiate from them and, and what you're bringing to the table that's different. So let's just say that we were we were a bunch of artists uh, that were coming in to make this business. So it was, a, it was a big learning experience for us. A lot of these things are things that we weren't really, uh, you know, privy to before. So we had to really go online and took, it took me probably about a month or two months to be able to go online, find different templates of business plans and figure out, you know, how we can be able to take this and, and change it into our own words and and have it make sense. So using those things is really what um, kind of prompted C to be able to let us uh, take out this uh, this business loan to start the company. So you really have to go to them with, first of all, this is what we've done, yes. like kind of on our own. Exactly. And yeah. this is where we want to go with this. Like this yes. is our plan, which yes. probably I would say a lot of people, uh, that's where they kind of fall apart. Like they can't sort of, articulate a plan or, exactly. or they have wonderful ideas yes <laughs> but it's like okay and we've, we've talked about this a lot just yes. seeing like ideas kind of you know it's great and everything but it never kind of gets off the page it never gets onto the camera onto the screen and it's like you know yeah i i, I think too i think as as artists um I feel like having, because we're, we're thinking so, so much, you know, we spend most of our days, regardless, you know, if you're a dancer or a filmmaker or a writer, you're spending most of your days kind of in your head trying to figure out, you know, what you want to create, right? Uh, and as much as we think about that, I feel like one of the things that we neglect uh, is, you know, making a living out of it and coming up with the idea of how to make a living. We think of what we want to do, but not how to be able to take that and, and you know, and monetize it and be able to do that for a living and be able to sustain yourself. So... Um, it, which and it's one of the and it's one of what the things that I figured out uh, when we first started the business uh, uh, was you know when we first realized that we had to come up with a business plan. That's when I was like, oh damn, I didn't really think this through. You know, we, I didn't really think of outside of the fact that we want to produce films, we want to do commercials. We didn't really think of the uh, the ins and outs, all of the the daily uh, the progress that you have to do on a daily basis to be able to keep the the business going and be able to to bring in new clients and be able to figure out how to you know how to 
even though you know we at first we didn't have employees, we had people that volunteer at the time. So it's figuring out how to work with them and being able to how to see how to take some of their talents and you know maximize what they have to be able to to, to be able to help you go forward. So these are a lot of things that, as you said, people tend to overlook because you get so excited about what it is that you want to do and, and this idea that you have in your head, but you don't think about the background work that comes with making that a reality. Yeah, well, one of the things, you know, when I first met with you guys, I forget if it was Zaire or Eddie, but, you know, I, I just kind of asked, how did you guys come together and all that? And he mentioned, he didn't mention seed or anything. Yeah. He said, well, we got a loan and everything. Yeah. And, and I thought, okay, these guys, like, have a legit business here. Like, they've thought through that end of it, which... You know, I've done a couple of shorts that never got finished, and that's what I didn't want to have happen again. So I thought, all right, if these guys have it together enough to have a business plan, to have gotten a loan, uh, and all of that, <laughs> then that gives me confidence that, that they, can they want to finish this. You know, and it is amazing how often it, it, you know, like things get disorganized, and there are so many people involved, and... No, it's very true. I feel like one of... Um... One of the things that I've that I've learned, I guess, um, from when I first started doing this. Uh, well, so we're in 2010, so this marks my 10th year, which is pretty big for me. 10th year since I started, uh, since I decided to take that leap and you know and, and pursue a life as 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 a filmmaker. And one of the things that I've learned, because I, I think at first I was I was very naive. Um, you know, uh, I, I still am a, a filmmaker uh, and an owner of a production company that's yet to actually even be on a Hollywood set, right? Um, you know, I've been, you know, I've had, I've had different mentors that, you know, have a lifetime of experience, but I myself have never actually been on one. And, um, at first I thought that, you know, anybody, you know, even if you're an independent filmmaker, that everybody's doing like these big projects and, you know, got these big films and I've always excited to like want to be able to go to like these different, you know, festivals or even like local showings just because I wanted to see some of this stuff. And, um, and, and I figured, you know, whatever we're doing can't be, you know, on the level of these guys, even if, even if it's a local filmmaker from Massachusetts. Uh, and then when, you know, when I went out there and the first time I had the chance uh, to go out to, to Rhode Island to, to this, um, it's not a festival. I think, I think every month or every other month um, they, you know, they invite filmmakers to come in and, and, and you know, and, and uh, show some of the work. And the first short film that we had done as Anawan um, called Fire which actually starred uh, Brandon Scales, which is one of my associates, and uh, Zaire Silva. We went there and we showed the film. But I think we were the last film that I was shown that night. There were three other films. And I don't want to... Because I, 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 I hate to say when I watch somebody's film and say that it's, it's bad because, you know, I, I look at it as, as filmmakers, as, you know, we're one big community. But let's just say that when I saw some of the work, it kind of... I think it kind of... Uh, it, it took a lot of weight out of my shoulders because I figured... That you know, we there's no way that we can be on on, the, on the, these other guys' level. You know, if they've been doing it for years, you know, they, and they have all these connections and they're, they're doing like these miraculous work, and and I figured, you know what, you know, I'll never be able to get to that level, right? Uh, unless I'm working in Hollywood. But then when I saw saw some of these work, and then I compared it to what we're doing, uh, you know, we're like four or five guys doing this together, right? And you have some of these people who are like you know a whole crew. You see like these behind the scenes pictures with all these people. And that's when it kind of cemented in my head that this is definitely something that I can um, be able to do for, for a living, you know. Because I feel like at first, um, you know, most people, at least, especially with the arts, one of the fears that we have is, you know, whether or not you can make a living out of this. And it's, I think maybe a lot of that is like fears that we put into, into our own heads. But, you know, when I went around to like these different circuits and seen some of the work, it kind of 
it, it uh, instilled in me like you know this confidence that you know we can be able to do this for for a living. Yeah, I mean they are just people. Yes, <laughs> miraculous powers. Very true. Very true. I went out to Sundance one year and I, I saw some shorts and things and yeah, some of them I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what is this? Like, I didn't even understand it. Yeah. But you know, everybody's, I mean, some people like really love a film and other people really can't stand it. And it's, I mean, for me, it was sort of like, can I finish something? That was really yes. the goal. Like, can to I finish. actually finish something that is relatively coherent and Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was basically the baseline. <laughs> like, can I go watch this somewhere? Yes. And, and we did, and so that was great. But uh, do you, let me ask you this. Do you think that the inability to finish projects, do you think any of that has to do with maybe filmmakers just kind of losing interest in something after oh, after doing it for so especially if you were to take a break for whatever reason, totally. and then losing that passion in whatever fire they had before? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Someone... He actually named his film company this. It was called POV, Persistence of Vision. And it was sort of like, <laughs> if like if it's good, then you'll hang with it. Yeah. You know, if it's like, if you really like the idea, you know, you might have 10 ideas, but it's that one that like two years later, you're mm. still like, hmm, that's a good idea. You know, I should stick with that. And, and so many people, you know, and I've done it too. You start a script and you get thing, and then you just can't, I don't know, just can't keep going with yeah. it. So I think you have to, I mean, that's fine with a script, mm. but when you get into the middle of filming something and you're like 80% of the way done and then you're like, but you know, or it gets shot and then it never gets edited. Yeah. And because there's so much painstaking kind of drudgery with it too. Like it's not all quote unquote fun. No, no. That's... Actually, most of it is not quote unquote fun. <laughs> the, I feel like that's one of the, like the perceptions that people have of film. You go, you go to the movie theater, you're sitting there, you have your popcorn and you're watching a film and you know, all you, you take away from that film was one, whether or not it's a good film, whether or not you enjoyed it. But we don't, we often really think about all of the, the blood, sweat and tears, literally blood, sweat and tears that, that come out of making some of these films. Uh, because it isn't, it's, well, I don't know if, if, if I would say it's not fun, but I, th I think a lot of the stress that comes with, with, uh, making a film, uh, can, it can deter some people, uh, from, you know, you have that vision, you have that dream, but then, you know, you can start and then realize after maybe a feature film that maybe this is not what you want to do because it's a lot of work. It's, it's, it's a lot of painstaking work. It's a lot of sacrifice, especially for an independent filmmaker. It's a lot of financial sacrifice. It's a lot of sacrifice in relationships with family, uh, significant others. It's it takes a lot to be able to to really to stick around after ten years and keep doing this because uh, you know it's and you can only really do it if you love it. I feel like that's one of those things where if you you can really tell who loves it and who doesn't, you know, by by how long they've been doing it for and and, and what they've had to go through to to get to where they are now. You know. Yeah, it's. Uh... And there's no guarantees at all. I mean, well, not only are there no guarantees, the odds are, you know, very long. Yeah. But, very. yeah, I, I guess the word rewarding is what I would put to it. Yes. Very rewarding. Like, very. when you actually get to sit in a theater and you're like, wow, there it is. Yes. And, and you know, the audience shouldn't know all the blood, sweat, and tears. Like, that's not their business. And that's, you know, I'm not going to stand up there and say, gee, we work so hard. Like, who cares? You know, you're supposed to work hard. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I feel like with any creative process, probably, you know, sculpting or paint, whatever it is, you've created a huge problem. Mm -hmm. 
and you've got to try to solve this problem. Yes. And sometimes, like I remember when we were on set, you remember the day we couldn't get the air conditioner shut off. Oh, yes. And that yes. was quite a moment of despair. <laughs> yes. Because like, that was the biggest day we had shooting. Yes. We had everyone there. Mm-hmm. And you and John Savini, the sound guy, figured out how to shut it off. Yes. And again, I feel like that's those are one of those things that happens on set. Um, I feel like you can, even if it's Hollywood, I feel like at times you can do all of the planning you want beforehand. And mind you, we had spoken with... We spoke with the uh, and good people over there, by the way, at the uh, Quincy is it Quincy Innovation Center? Yeah, we did, we did everything we were supposed yeah, to do. Everything, everything we were supposed to do, <laughs> and it just and it just happened. Didn't get shut it, off. It just didn't get shut off. And then at that moment, we had to go ahead and and you know put our thinking caps on and try to figure this out. And you know, it took us it took us some time. And we can as we were looking at Matt, this is the funny part. Uh, we we were going around, you know, obviously as a director, you don't want to put any stress on the director, right? You don't want to be able to, their job on set is to be able to be there. And any stress that comes to their mind can only be, you know, involved with the actors and whether or not the actors are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Anything else outside of that should be held by, you know, should be responsibilities held by other people. So we didn't want to tell Matt anything. We're going around, we're trying to find things, we're talking to each other. But then at one point, you know, he's... He's asking us, you know, are we ready to shoot him? We're ready to shoot him. You know, we're, we're, trying, we're, we're trying to figure out what we can to do to, to be able to hold this off without telling him what happened. But eventually we had to come to Matt and unfortunately give him the bad news. And, you know, his face got maybe three shades, you know, redder uh, from, from, from what it was before. Uh, but, you know, we walked around. We, we literally, we had even some of the actors, you know, they, you know, you know, thank, you know, thank God for them. We were going around and looking at different things and going through, uh, through old emails and trying to see if there's maybe something that that we we didn't notice and luckily um uh we found it was it was actually a part of an email there was a there was something in, in an old email from probably a month or two months prior that we saw that actually told us how to turn it off in case which was a switch correct yeah. Yeah. and had we not seen that email and the people there we called them nobody picked up the phone I so i think it was probably, a sunday it was saturday a sun, uh, saturday it was yeah. saturday it was saturday uh so uh luckily that that one little email um kind of uh, helped us uh, to be able to go around and find the switches and, and be able to turn it off so but, you know, it was a problem and it got solved and there's always problems. And, it, you know, if that's the biggest problem you have on a film set, you're lucky. Yes. Like, you're very lucky because yes. sometimes actors don't show up. Sometimes, you know, whatever. Or a camera, happen. something might happen to an equipment. Whatever. So, but, yeah. you know, I feel like those are times when, like, some people can deal with that and some people can't. Yes. And some people would say, oh, I'm never going to do this again because, you know, duh. you know, uh, if we didn't get it shut off, we would have rolled with it, figured something out. You exactly. know, we would have done something. Do so. some ADRs afterwards. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like um, you do have to, I mean, you can plan and plan and plan and plan. Yes. And then, you know, things happen. But then wonderful things happen. Like, you know, things you never anticipate. We're like, yes. ooh, what a great idea. Let's go shoot in the bathroom. Exactly. We're going to shoot over here, but... And it's so much better. Yeah. So just to get back a little bit to, because um, I think, uh, all know, of, all of, I'm all over the place when I talk. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, we were talking about like resumes and reels, Correct. and like you're a cinematographer. That's primarily Correct. how that's, you see yourself. That's my yeah. I mean, I, I call myself a filmmaker, and you edit. You edit. Yeah. So which is the the point why I call myself a filmmaker because that it's all encompassing. So it's everything overall to do with filmmaking. But my true love when it comes to filmmaking is cinematography. I'm not big into directing. I know everybody wants to be a director. That's not really my thing. I just I would rather 
so before before I became a filmmaker, I went to school. Uh, I went to the Art Institute of Boston, which is part of Lesley University, and I went there for fine arts. Um, so painting, sculpting. So to me, cinematography is directly tied to painting because that's essentially what you're doing is you're painting but with the camera so you're having to you know to look at the lighting making sure that the composition is right your contrast and everything else so that's the same as as painting so to me i feel like it was a seamless transition which is the reason again why i love uh, cinematography and why i do that i do edit uh for the most part but yeah it's not it's not the same as being behind it's not your passion it's not my no i love it i love it but it's not the same past the same passion that i have for cinematography yeah, yeah. Well, so as, to get back to reels, like, uh, it just occurred to me, like, cinematographers need reels. Yes. Editors need reels. Yes. Actors need reels. Directors, producers. Directors, like, that's your resume. Yes. To be able to resume. say, not that I worked on blah, 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 but this is, you know, this is me in the shot, or this is the shot I got, or... Yes. Um, oh, this is what I edited. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very essential. It's the same as, you know, going to... Any, any, you know, uh, corporate uh, job and bringing in your resume about where you worked at before, that's the equivalent of, of having a reel for, uh, for filmmakers. Oh, sorry about that. No. Th that's just more of the unprofessional nature of our like, <laughs> working experience podcast. Yeah. It's all right. No, uh, no, it adds an air of authenticity to it. It would have been better if you answered the call, actually. And just, <laughs> kind of in the middle of this. Uh, and that gets back to like, you know, working for free, essentially, like in the beginning, which a lot of people kind of have a problem with. They won't like I, you know, I worked in the film industry for five years. I was a grip. Yeah. And, but I had to work a lot as a free PA to begin yes. with. Yes. So I didn't know anything. Yes. Didn't know what an Apple box was. I didn't know what a C-stand <laughs> was. Nothing. So it's like, you know. You guys had to shoot stuff for free because, mm. or at least at cost. Exactly. Because you gotta, you can't show up to somebody and say, we're gonna pay us $25,000 and we're gonna hope for the best. Like, they yeah. need to see, like, this is what you can do. Exactly. And I guess the way, in regards to, to what you're saying about working for free, um, how I started, I, I, so I was doing a lot of the stuff from 2000, so 2009, the summer of 2009, we, Went out uh, with a friend of mine and, uh, you know, luckily he, you know, he's, he's a barber. He makes a, a good amount of money and he rented the equipment, $700 worth of equipment. Mind you, at this time, I didn't know anything about, I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I had no experience. Got this camera that I didn't know how to use. I'm over here, like, you know, the night before trying to tinker with it and figure out how to work this thing. And, you know, he put all this money behind this film. Uh, and then the, the next year we went out and we got our own little camera. I think it was... Uh, the 5D Mark II, which was a big deal at the time, a very, very big deal if you're an independent filmmaker. Um, and, you know, we used that. We shot a lot of our, you know, uh, music videos. Uh, and I guess it would be the equivalent of working for free because, you know, these are local artists that can afford more. So we were doing music videos for like $300, $400, right? Um, and a lot of that was kind of going back into like, you know, pay because we would have some friends come over. So we'd kind of pay them a little bit. Uh, and then in 2011 is when I met uh, my mentor, uh, which is uh, Alan Mamona, who, uh, who's our gaffer. who, who was the gaffer yep. uh, in this film over here. Uh, and I would say this, he's probably, I'll probably say he's probably one of the most knowledgeable um, cinematographers in the state of New England, or probably like in most of the states outside of like Hollywood. Uh, this guy, all he does all day long is eat, sleep and drink filmmaking. Just like he's at home all day, just watching different videos and watching different things. 
and he took me on. Uh, he took me under, and I, you know, we I would go on sets with him, and I would, you know, I would help him out. I'd do different. I would shoot with him, and then he, as I was there, so it's free in regards to I wasn't getting paid. There was no monetary exchange, but I learned a lot in that process. So you know, I would be there, and he would, he would talk to me about lighting, about camera angles, and things like that. And then in return, I, uh, you know, I gave him a service that you know he didn't have at the time, which was an editor. Uh, because one of my strongest uh, points at that time was editing. Uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily the best person behind a camera, but I know how to put a story together. So I would edit a lot of the videos that he did. And then in 2012, um, he had shot a feature film overseas, and then that was my first time actually editing a full feature film. But yeah, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of us when we first started, we're working we're working for free primarily, and and it's. It's unfair, but that's what you have to do. That's what you're going to do for people to be able to trust you. For them to trust you, they need to know that you've been on set, that you've put in so many hours behind the projects, that you, you know, you've made so many mistakes that you, you know, that you can learn from those mistakes. So it's just, it's, it's a part of the process. If you're an artist, you know, that's pretty much where obviously the starving artist idea comes from is, you know, there's a lot of going without eating sometimes or, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, not being able to pay for your rent and things like that because you're putting so much time behind this passion that you have. It's just, it goes with, with the territory. Yeah, and some people are willing to make that sacrifice and some people are not, yep. which is, you know, fair enough. I remember someone saying to me uh, about, I guess I was maybe three or four years into working and wanted to know what to do. And I said, well, you know, you got to go on sets and you got to work for free. And he's, he was like, well, I'm not going to work for free. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, fair enough. I mean... <laughs> But you know you don't you don't know anything, so well, yeah, it's like an internship, like you know, essentially. You know, that's that's a good word. It's essentially an internship. That's what you're doing for the first few years, and this kind of goes into this one topic that I have from time to time with different filmmakers: um, the idea of a film school versus not going to film school. Mm-hmm. And and I, obviously I didn't go to film school, uh, but uh, you know I. My argument is that, at least to me, is that the, the four years that you can put towards a film school, those same four years, if you're on set and you're working for free and you're, you're working with other filmmakers, I feel like after that four years, those two kids, those two kids, if one goes to film school and one just goes on set, by the time those four years are over, the person on set has more experience with that guy that's coming out of film school because of the fact that uh, you're, it's, you're not in, in a, a controlled environment. You're seeing a lot of these mistakes. You're seeing whoever your mentors are. You're seeing them make the mistakes. And you got to get, you have the opportunity to be able to go ahead and learn from, from what these guys are doing. And you're, you're able to, to kind of learn on the fly and make mistakes and, and figure out how to, how to change that for the future, uh, you know, as, as, you go, as you go along. Well, I think like in, you know, the criticism of film school, and I, I worked with a lot of NYU kids because you know they're doing their thesis yeah. projects they need people to work for free exactly it was a good way to learn you know it's a student film but uh it was largely theory it was like mm-hmm. you know this is why orson wells did this or this is why morton scorsese does this and i guess you know the criticism of guys who worked was these folks would come on to a set and it's like i need you to empty that garbage mm-hmm. i need you to fill that cooler and it was sort of like well, I'm a filmmaker. It's like, no, you're not. You're a PA. So hop to. And uh, actually, a guy I know, and he's a, a gaffer. He's worked for many, many years, over 20 years. Mm-hmm. He was going to film school. He was working at a rental shop. Okay. And um, I think it was maybe after his freshman or sophomore year. And he said, you know, guys, I, I got to go. I got to go back to school. And they were like, why are you going back to school? You're mm-hmm. here. You're doing it. 
Like they were sending him out on sets with the equipment. So he didn't go back. And he just... Like they don't... The film industry is one of the last industries that they don't care if you went to school or you didn't. Yeah. It, I was never once... Mm. I mean, I was a history major. <laughs> never once was I asked about any college or anything. It was like, can you move that pile of stuff over there when I tell you to do it? Mm. Can you listen? Can you learn? Like, learn that piece of... Like, I don't know what a Cardellini clamp is. You gotta learn what that is. Yep. What does it do? C-stand. How do you set up a C-stand? You know, if someone says set a flag. Exactly. In the beginning, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. Well, it's the big black square thing. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like, I don't think in... I guess the criticism was... And again, I didn't go to NYU. And, and a lot of great people come out of there. Yeah, of course. Wrong. I mean, Martin Scorsese went to... Was it, uh, is it USC? Calif- yeah, yeah. USC. Like yeah, so some, Coppola. Exactly. Some of the best. Yes. Uh, There's the an argument to be made yeah. for film school. No, no there is. I, I, I don't want. So I guess what I don't want to come out of this is to think that I don't think film school works. I think it. I think it works, and I feel like you know if you if you have the opportunity and you have obviously the money to be able to go to film school. Um, and you want to, I'm not saying don't go to it. It's just, I think that there's this perception out there that, you know, with a lot of filmmakers that, you know, if if you don't go to film school, that, you know, you, you might not be able to amount to, to a lot of things. Or, you know, if you want to go work for Hollywood, then you need to be able to have those credentials to be able to do that. Where, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's it's true. I think if you have, if you're, if you, if you're able to go to film school, you can. But if you feel like, you know, you don't, you don't come from a family where, you know, you have people with money and you don't have the grace to go to film school but you have this passion to be a filmmaker, you can do that without having to actually go to film school. It's not the end-all, be-all. There's, there's other options out there for you. Well, it's not that hard after, like, you know, a little bit, you know, if you move to New York to, like, you know, work for free for a period of time. But then you exactly. could start to get hired on for, like, 100 bucks a day as a PA. Yeah. You can make some money. Exactly. I mean, not a king's ransom, and, you know, you're probably not going to be living that great, but... You can do it. Exactly, yeah. As long as you, like, show up on time. That's yes, the biggest thing. That is. Showing up on time. That is. And again, like, that's what, uh, you know, it's sort of like you need to impress upon people. Like, I don't care how awesome your thesis project was. Mm-hmm. I need you to show up on time. Exactly. And be there at hour 17. Yep. Still working. And again, you, you lose a lot of people that way, but I think then you get the people who, as you say, really want to do it. As I say, uh, the best ability is availability. So, you know, you have to be, uh, you can quote that if you want. You know, I will. Just put that the best ability <laughs> is availability. I like that. <laughs> well, like, you know, I see that in Eddie and, uh, you know, in all you guys, it was like, there wasn't a lot of standing around commiserating. It's like, Okay, let's go. Like Eddie yeah. was always like, "All right, let's go, let's go, let's go." Like, no, very he doesn't like stand around joking. All it's like, I mean, I like it to be a good, pleasant experience, and, yeah, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, it's work. That's yeah. also no, it is. I mean, we've had put it this way. We've had we had one time we were shooting a music video um, on the ninth floor of one of the tallest buildings in Brockton, which isn't saying much because we don't really have a lot of tall buildings here, but. It was the ninth floor of this uh, this furniture building. Uh, we were shooting on the roof, and we went there. And the day that we got there, we kind of find out that the elevator is not working. And That's this when was... you find out if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, and, and it was. I, I believe it was either July or August, and it was a hot day. And this building, it's all it's all brick, so the inside gets it's really hot. So we're going up nine nine flights of, well eight flights of stairs. 
and then like one little small fire to get to the roof with uh, C-stands. And if you've ever, you know, uh, held a C-stand in your hand, you realize that these, uh, these are very dense pieces of metal. And you're carrying at times like two or three of them. And then we're going back downstairs and grabbing other stuff and coming all the way to the top. And uh, yeah, those are those days, uh, as Matt just said, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll really, uh, you know, uh, test your, your, <laughs> your strength of character to see if this is really what you want to do. And we've had a lot of those days. We've had a lot of hot summer days where we're in uh, buildings and places that are not in the best conditions. Uh, yeah. And you're here doing, and at times you're doing it for, you know, $50, $75, uh, you know, for the job that you're actually doing. Uh, but as I said, I feel like it's one of those things where if you have a passion for it, the passion is going to be able to carry you through. Like no matter what, you can't swear on this, right? No matter what BS you're going through, uh, you it'll carry you through that because of, of the passion you have. And it, I think the other thing too is the crew. It really depends on the crew you're with. Because if you're working with a crew of people that you can't stand, then you're having that as an extra hurdle. You know, on top of these unfair uh, conditions, you're also having to deal with people you don't like. So... Uh, you know, luckily, <laughs> luckily yeah. with with us, you know, where you know we all came together for a specific reason. We liked working with each other. You know, sometimes as artists, you know, you're kind of butting heads and you know you're you're yelling at each other, whatever it is. But sure. you know, if it, it's part of it's part for the course. If you know you've been together with somebody for years, that's just you know it's like any relationship that's going to happen. You know, you're going to have your ideas, things from the past are going to come up. But you know, if you have the same goals and you have that passion. It's going to be able to kind of carry you through uh, through all of the BS that comes with with doing this this uh, as as a living, you know. All right, so we are at forty five minutes, forty six minutes. So just to wrap up, and obviously I want to do more episodes. We have a lot more yeah, to talk no, about. Uh, keep going for like three hours. <laughs> what, what would you? Somebody wants to be a cinematographer. They haven't gone to film school. They don't have a lot of financial means. What what would you tell them? Like, okay, you wake up Monday morning. This is day one. You want to start your career. What do you do? So I would say um, in 2019, if you want to be a filmmaker, this is probably one of the best times uh, you know, in filmmaking history to, to be a, a filmmaker. Or at least to, to, to find the resources to be able to be a good filmmaker and be a good uh, cinematographer. Um, we have what we call YouTube University. So I would say that I never actually went to a, a film school, but I did go to YouTube University. So you wake up uh, Monday morning, go on your laptop, or if you don't have a laptop, go to your public library, get on YouTube, and you will find a whole lot of tutorials, a whole lot of videos that will start to, to teach you the ins and outs of being a filmmaker. Um, so let's say you want to get onto a film set. Could oh, somebody okay. go to Craigslist yes. and like just be like, hey, man, I will come work for free? So if you if 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 the idea is just to be able to, to get the experience and be on set, um, you can you can go on Craigslist. Um, you can do uh, you can go to to little festivals that they have. Uh, if you go to any uh, showings or free showings or screenings of independent filmmakers within the area, it's just building those relationships. You can go on there uh, and you work with them for free. A lot of these independent filmmakers, trust me. I mean, right now, I mean, we're at the point, not to say that we're, we're big or anything, but we're at the point that we pay everybody that comes to work with us, even if it's something minimal. But a lot of other filmmakers, if they're just starting out and they have a crew, they will take you on for free. There's no filmmaker, there's no independent filmmaker that's going to say no to you unless they don't like you as a person. But the opportunity to be on set, it's just out there. As I said, you just have to be proactive. And as you said, you can go on Craigslist. There's a lot of uh, jobs that are posted on Craigslist. A lot of those, though, they're going to require some sort of an experience um, if they're putting it out there on Craigslist. But going to finding filmmakers showing their films, and there's we're a dime a dozen these days, and we're always showing our work. So if you if you're able to 
to go into some of these local places and watch a film, mingle with some of those uh, filmmakers, I'm pretty sure you can find uh, a job to be able to do with them. So it's say so like, not, hey, I'm looking to learn. I'll come and work for free. Yep, just go over there. That's all. That's the keyword free. That's all, <laughs> that is the keyword with anything. You go over there. You tell them that this is what you love. You, you love to do. You have a passion, and you're willing to go there and work for no compensation. I'll, again, I don't want to say free just because of the fact that you are getting something out of it, which is the education. But yeah, um, uh, yeah if you're volunteering your time, I, I don't see any filmmaker that I would know of that would say no to you. Yeah. Uh, it'd be very hard to find somebody to say that. So I think the only thing is just really you'd have to do the work. You'd have to get up and just search around and, and uh, you know go on Facebook. I'm pretty sure you know if you have a certain amount of Facebook friends, you can put it out there that you're, you're trying to find filmmakers to work with. A lot of people these days, they know somebody who's a filmmaker, so they'll put you on to somebody to work with, and you know that's a, that's a good start from there. So you used a good word, proactive. you got to be proactive. You have to be very proactive. I feel like if, uh, even now, like, you know, we've been doing this for, uh, as Anawan, we've been doing this since... Uh, we're actually coming up on three years. March, in two months, it's going to be our three-year anniversary. And to this day, uh, actually, as we go on, the you know, year after year, we have to become even more proactive because, you know, you start to take the next step. You start to take the next step. You, you meet new clients and, you know, you start to do bigger and bigger jobs. And the more these jobs that come, comes in, you know, proves to you that you have to be more proactive to be able to get on to, to, the, to the next level and to, you know, a bigger fish, uh, per se. But, yeah, you, you never, you can never stop. If... Anytime you own your own business, whether it's a, it's a production company or even like, you know, a grocery store, uh, you're literally constantly on a daily basis uh, working and finding different things to do. Um, I can be in, in, I feel like it's it's a, it's like a gift and a curse. There are times where I'm at I'm at my grandmother's house. I'm sitting over there and she's just talking to me. But then, you know, as she's talking, it's just it's weird. I'm looking at her. And I'm, I'm seeing the way the, the light is hitting her face. And I'm thinking in my head, like, this would be a nice shot. And she's just like, she's rambling on. And I'm just literally sitting over there and looking at this moment and just thinking of, of how I can light this moment, right? If I'm in a car driving, like, you know, if, again, if it's your passion, like, it's, it's always going to be there. Any, any moment that I have, um, anywhere I am, I'm, it's always 24 hours just in the back of your head. And you're always thinking of, of how to improve yourself and how to improve the company at the same time, you know, so... Your so passion. Never, yes, yeah. never, never ends. Never ends. All right. Well, this has been really good. Uh, thanks a lot. We will definitely do more. This is Rui Lopes with Anawan Street Productions. Thanks a lot, and Rui. You did say that this, uh, you said that correctly this time. Oh, that, was, that was amazing. Yeah. See, I'm getting better. You are. You are getting better. I I'm feel like less by, ignorant. By the time we have our 15th episode together, I think uh, you're going to say Rui. <laughs> <laughs> People will say, is that guy Cape Verde? <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john, J-O-H-N, at onecirclemedia.com or DM me on Instagram at John Brancaccio, J-O-H-N-B-R-A-N-C-A-C-C-I-O. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening to another episode of The Working Experience.